it has been a thrilling day. We are down to the last lap here today, and I think I, I think our competitors are coming up to the final bend. Yes, they're going right in there now, any minute. We've seen some absolutely amazing driving today, like I've never seen before. And there they go. There's skits. There's funny voices. There's things I've played coming up on that inside straight and really managed to getting up the front there. Really sneaking in the last moment. And there's skits. There's skits. There's skits all over the place. Oh, they've spun out. Skits oh, everywhere. Oh, goodness. Well, I think at this point, the front runner is... Uh, uh, let's have a look. Is that... Yes, we've got both the team of queer trans ladies at the front of the back and I think it's set checkered flag down queer and pleasant strangers wins Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnadale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magnadale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's us. It's us. We're two queer trans ladies. We, yeah. we talk about the, the media we've consumed in the week and do of skits the and stuff. Media. How are you doing on this, this quipsy day? Uh, ooh, um, <laughs> I've been very easily distracted today. Yeah, so easily distracted that while trying to write a reply to a message about being distracted, I got distracted, forgot to hit send on the message. Oh, we've all been found it several hours later. Yeah, it, it, but the, the fact that it was so incredibly meta. Oh, oh, I promise you, you are far from the first person on this earth with ADHD to do that very thing. Oh, I have no I, I imagine that this is uh, a pretty common experience. I've certainly done it, I know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, should we start with things we've played this week? Yeah, tell me about a thing you've played. Well, uh, I, I'm going to talk about a thing I've played in spoiler-like terms. <gasps> um... I've played 50 hours of Pokemon Legends Arceus. That game that comes out on Friday. That game that comes out a couple of days after we record this. Um, yeah, there's 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 been street date broken there copies floating around. There's been playing around. Yeah, uh, e- eBay's had them. You know it's had a lot of them, which has been fun? Facebook Marketplace of all places. A lot of them showing up there. Mm. Um... I've I've got a copy. I've been playing. I've played about fifty hours. I've played through the main story and a decent chunk of post game. I am I'm like ten hours deep in post game, and there's still a bunch of post game to do. It's mm-hmm. more substantial than I expected, but um, yeah. So if you're listening to this when it goes up on Patreon on the Wednesday. There's a good chance you have no idea what this game actually plays like because there have been no reviews and no hands-on previews and basically nothing. And this is going up, in theory, when the uh, embargo lifts uh, for reviews. Even though you're um, not under said embargo? I'm not, but I'm trying not to undercut, you know. There's a certain degree of... Um, Journalistic you know, I I don't want to be a shitbag too much to the people who agree to an NDA or are now in a tough position of like... We've also played the game. We we can't talk about it. Yeah. Um. You know that's always a tricky situation to be in. But um, well, if Nintendo had just sent you a copy, I mean, yeah, you know, they could have kept my my, my silence if they'd sent me a copy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Pokemon Legends Arceus is the best way I can describe it. Is kind of like Monster Hunter with some Breath of the Wildy world design, but it's Pokemon. You've got a little hub village that you start in, and that's your sort of base of operations, and you've got crafting stations and clothing shops and um, places to buy, uh, you know, consumables for your your, um, adventures you're about to go on, and uh, NPCs will give you side quests. And you go from there to one of five not completely open world, but very large connected... Um, basically like your Monster Hunter Zones, where it's like, this is a large biome of a specific type, maybe this is the 
uh, the water area or it's the, you know, the, the forest, hands. yeah, or the foresty area or something like that. And you go off trying to create the very first Pokedex, because this is a game set in the distant past of Pokemon. Um, no electronic Pokedex for you. You've got a physical book you're trying to make notes in about all the Pokemon. You're part of the survey? Um, the survey core? Core. Um, yeah, so the, the gist of this is that there is a much less strong focus, at least, you know, up until the credits roll. There's a bit more of it in the post-game, but a lot less focus on Pokemon battles with other trainers. Um, there's no multiplayer battles with other people who've got the game at all, uh, and instead on completing a Pokedex. Um, you can complete the entire Pokedex completely solo, by yourself, uh, without ever needing to trade. There's no two versions. Um, Pokemon that previously needed trades to evolve, you can now evolve in other ways as a solo player. Um, Using the link ca cable yes, item. The link cable item is amazing. Uh, it's just a Game Boy link cable you smush on a Pokemon's face to evolve them. Squish, <laughs> <laughs> squish. Um, but yeah, you go out into these big, broad, open areas, and a lot of what you're focusing on is not just catching one of each Pokemon to complete your Pokedex, but doing a bunch of research tasks to get higher and higher levels of detail in a Pokedex entry. So, like... You pick a Pokemon like Ponyta, for example. Um, you might have one quest that is like, hey, catch, you know, maybe it, at the top end it's 25, but you'll get sort of points along the way for catching certain numbers of them, for defeating a certain number in battle, um, seeing them use a specific move a certain number of times. Uh, maybe it's catching them without being seen. Um, and we'll get to stealth catches in a minute. But you've got all of these... Um, different objectives that will help you towards ranking up your Pokedex, and it's like, ten points worth of doing things on this list will get you a Pokedex entry, but you can 100% it if you want to be fancy. Mm -hmm. um, some of them even have side quests, like Ponyta specifically has a side quest you have to go and find to complete its Pokedex entry. It's like, hey, what wh about this? Um, and the way that you're actively catching them in this sort of big open area is... Um, well, there's two options. You can catch them in a normal turn-based battle if you like, or you can stealth by crouching and getting into bushes and trying to sneak up and third-person aiming and throwing Pokeballs. Um, if you can catch them, if you can get them with a Pokeball from behind without them having noticed you're there, that's your best catch catch chance. But if that fails, yeah, throw a Pokemon out. You jump into a battle. But some of the Pokeballs have little ears. They do. The, the heavy balls have little, little, little weighty ears to hold the lid shut. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, it is a much faster paced game than Pokemon games generally are. Even if you get into battles, like, the Pokemon series for years has had this weird issue, basically since they moved to 3D, of you select what move you want to do and the camera just sort of continues circling the Pokemon for a few seconds while the game's like... Okay, let me find that fucking animation. Where is it? Like, there's a lot of waiting in turn-based battles in Pokemon. Mm. This speeds everything up. Yeah. Uh, the battles happen exactly where you are on the map. Just like, go, go, go. You pick the move, it happens. You pick the thing, it happens. Go, go, go. Back, back to gameplay. Which I think helps alleviate a lot of the perceived worry of this feeling like a bit of a grind. Mm. Uh, particularly also the fact that, like, once you start getting better kinds of Pokeballs, you can go back to earlier areas and be, like, sniping low-level Pokemon from the grass without ever being seen, never getting into battles, and, like, 
that's where a lot of your like filling in the decks will come from is like, ah, I caught a few of them and I have them in my team. Oh, I've got better stuff now. I'm going to go back and bam, 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 grab a bunch of them quick. Mm. Um, battles have had a few changes in terms of like some of the combat mechanics. They've You've got physical placement by the looks of it. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's a few things missing that people who are into competitive Pokemon eh, may, may be a little grumbly about. Uh, there's no held items and no uh, abilities. But in its place, you get something called the uh, the style system, where every move in the game, once it's been kept in on, on your Pokemon for a little while, can be used either in agile or strong style, which takes twice as many of your uses up. Um, and PP. in... Yeah, your PP... <laughs> Uh, and in general, like, most moves have considerably less PP than they did before, which, you know, is to sort of penalise using these styles a little bit. <laughs> is it PP? It was you avoiding saying penalised. <laughs> penalised. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? You said penalised. Is, is uh, that not correct? It's, I, it's fine. I didn't know I wasn't... <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were avoiding it deliberately to no, get away I, from the PP. No, I just... It's how I pronounce it, and That's I feel okay. conscious now. I'm sorry. Um, but yes, he uses <laughs> twice as much PP to um, either do the move faster but weaker, or stronger but slower. Um, and this plays into the fact that it's no longer guaranteed to be you get a move, the enemy gets a move back and forth. You've got something almost like a Final Fantasy ATB system, where, like, here's the order in which attacks are going to happen. If you can get your speed in, you might be able to get another attack in before the enemy gets an extra turn. So, like, maybe I'll use the agile style of a move so that I can go faster and get two turns in a row and then follow it up with a heavy style, which would leave me vulnerable for multiple attacks coming in at me. But I think that that heavy, after the Agile I just did, will be enough to take them out and I won't have to worry about the extra attacks coming at me. Mm. Like, it's it's a lot about trying to wedge in an, an extra attack where you can and to do the big hit where you are confident it will get you the KO and you won't be punished for it. Mm. Um, and I really like that style. Mm. I think it adds a lot to the flow of combat. Mm. Um, but yeah... Uh, beyond that, there's uh, there's action elements. Pokemon can attack you, the trainer, as you're adventuring, um, and you got to dodge roll out the way of attacks. Mm -hmm. um, the dodge roll's pretty forgiving. It's got a lot of invincibility frames, but it's still fairly easy to get overwhelmed if you like. I try to think of a Pokemon that's a good example of one that's very aggressive and will attack you in groups. Uh, Rhyhorn or Rhydon. Mm -hmm. um, if they see you, they will attack on sight. And if you accidentally stumble into a group of them, that's five or six things attacking you that can be enough to knock you unconscious. Uh-oh. Um, if, if you are not careful. Um, if you're knocked unconscious, you do drop some items. Uh, there is a system in place for them being recovered to you if you're playing online. Um, mm -hmm. Other players can go in their game, find your dropped items, pick them up, they get a little reward, um, and you get your items back. If you're playing offline, you will not experience that. Um, mm. And that's going to suck for people who are not here for the, the action gameplay uh, and don't want to lose what could put them back a bit on progression. Mm. But you can manually save, you can turn off autosaves, so worst case scenario turn it to manual saves and just manually save regularly and 
don't be afraid to reset if you get knocked out and lose some items you needed. Hmm. Um, yeah, this is a really big sprawling Pokemon game that I'm very excited about. I have put 50 hours in and I still have main story quests to do, um, side quests for big specific, like, here is a quest just to go get one Pokemon. Although, to be clear, you I, have seen the credits roll. I've seen the credits roll. Um, I've seen the credits roll. Uh, there is a bunch of post-game content. Like, the the best way I can explain it is, like, it. the stuff that comes after the credits feels in scope similar to something like the Crown Tundra DLC for Sword and Shield. Hmm. It's the kind of thing that feels like it would have been sold as DLC post-release. It's, it's nice they didn't chop it off. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm a good, like... Five ten hours into post game story stuff, and mm. there's a bunch of things I haven't done. Um, yeah, because to be fair, if they had tried to chop it off, it would have been a lot of stuff. There, there would have been sort of like threads just left yeah. completely forgotten. Yeah, there's a lot of narrative threads that would have felt a bit dead ended. It sort of credits out of nowhere and then just goes. Well, anyway, let's keep going. Yeah. And the I I'm now that I've played more of the post game, I'm pretty convinced that that is because they want the average player to be able to see the credits, but they want to be able to have a decent amount of we've increased the difficulty stuff that they offer, mm-hmm. and that they're placing that behind the credits so anyone who struggles with that more difficult content is like, well, I made it to the credits. Yeah, I got to the end. Yeah, that's that's the distinct feeling I've got, because like right after the credits, you start getting missions where it's like, oh, this trainer has a team of full level 60 Pokemon that have clearly been stat trained. Mm. Um, like, you start clearly, like, levels 1 to, say, 65, maybe 70 are your sort of base game. And 70, I'm guessing up to 100 is where they're, like, trying to build the post game. Mm. And I'm very much here for that. Oh. Um, things that are exciting to me. Shiny Pokemon are visible as shiny in the overworld. That's really neat. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I've been shiny hunting. I have. I saw that Ponyta. Yeah, I've I've got a good set of theories about how shiny hunting works. I have a team of six shiny Pokemon, and I, while I'm not precise about it, clearly my attempts are working. Um, ah, this is the most I've been excited about Pokemon in so long. I've just been binging it entirely since I got my hands on it. It's been nice to see a change to the Pokemon formula in the style of the game, because it looks like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It... Like, almost one of the first things I asked you yeah. was, is this in the Breath of the Wild engine? Yeah, I, I believe it is. Um, I believe that Monolith Soft, the Xenoblade people who helped with the Breath of the Wild world okay. design, are in the credits. So, like, I believe... Yeah, this very much looks like this is Breath of the Wild engine... And, like, I made the comparison to, like, Monster Hunter earlier. That feels structurally what this is like. Yeah. But the areas are much more sort of big and sprawling and adventurous than Monster Hunter Zones, which mm-hmm. typically are like, here is your series of paths you need to follow that will lead you to the... D- just lead you straight to the monster. It's like, no, oh, I don't know what's around that corner, what's in that cave, what's down that river. I don't know. Let's go explore. Um... And I'm still finding new things, like, 50-plus hours in. Hmm. Um, I am a long way from completing the final mission of that game, oh. but I'm having a blast. And Yay. having basically, like, spent 50-plus hours mainlining through it this week, 
I'm so excited to start all over again and play it on stream. <laughs> and it's always a good sign when you can play this much of a game in this short uh, period of time and go, yeah, but I'll start over and play it again. Like, and, right away. <laughs> and also going back to the Breath of the Wild comparison, to be able to go, I'm happy to replay this immediately. Yeah. As opposed to something like Breath of the Wild. It was like, it was all about yeah. the exploration and I've seen it now. Not sure how long before I go back to it. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like the, the, the difference between this and Breath of the Wild is having that Pokedex to complete is even if you're going through a place you've been through before and seeing a, uh, a Pokemon you've seen before, you can always just, as you're going through, lock onto it, open the Pokedex and go, what tasks haven't I done on you? Mm. There is always a, a reason to go... Okay, I'll just take a quick couple seconds detouring, you know, I'll, I'll attack a couple of those Ponytail with water type decks, because maybe that will get me a bit more on my Pokedex. Mm. Like, it very much feels like there is always stuff to be done oh, in a way that's really rewarding. Um, and there's Tinker, a... Tinker. Yeah. Does it, going back to a recent uh, AA, does it have a good off-ramp? It has, it has good off-ramps. Um, most of the time, um, you are either doing individual missions, which... You, you can only have one mission at a time marked on your on, on your map mm -hmm. as a thing to preview. So you complete that mission, it won't automatically put another request on your on your thing to do. That's a nice easy off-ramp. Um, a lot of the story missions as you go uh, create fast travel points when you reach those story beats. So it's mm -hmm. like, hey, we'll, we'll move the story marker somewhere else. But you can fast travel back here, so you can leave, and that's fine. Um, you can save at any time, and it properly saves uh, basically all progress. Even some shiny encounters, like shiny, uh, big, angry Pokemon that are overleveled, those ones you can save near if they're shiny, and they'll still be shiny when you reopen. Mm. Um, yeah, good good amount of off-ramping. Um, yeah... I really like this game. Yeah, And I don't want to say too much else about it, because I don't want to... I want to leave there to be some discovery for people who pick this up on on Friday. Um, but my goodness, I I would be super okay if this was the direction that future mainline Pokemon games went because this this is good for the completionist in me that desperately just likes completing things. More of this, but maybe bring back full turn based. Yeah, like I there's a few things that I imagine would get brought back or reprioritized in a mainline entry, but there's a bunch of stuff in this that I want to see become like consistent bits of Pokemon going forward. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, it's really good. <laughs> Can't stop playing Pokemon or thinking about Pokemon. I've written like 5000 words in 2 days about Pokemon. You I'm, have. Yeah. Yeah. I've 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 been I've been permitted to professionally info dump about Pokemon. Heck yeah. 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 Oh mm, there's another thing. Sorry, <laughs> I got another thing I wanna say. Yeah, there's there's other things I won't say today, I'm sure. But uh all of the little side quests are nice and varied. And they all sort of work towards this goal of building up your little hub village you live in. And they're all they all have narrative weight and they feel significant to the world and you're putting together this little community of people who's afraid of Pokemon because they don't know anything about them. And you're like, hey, look, what if I go get one and bring it here and show you it's not so scary or let you look at the encyclopedia about it. Look, it's not so scary now that you know about it and helping them learn that Pokemon are nice and okay. And that's very sweet. And I like this Pokemon. What have you played? You need to get me off this train of thought. Do I? <laughs> 
little, little bit. Uh, we played some more Nisei. Yes, we did. System Builder? Uh, yes, the Android Netrunner yeah. thing. Uh, the, we did We did deck building. We did. We got into the deck building. Yeah. That was good. Um, we took, what, an hour? Sat down, separated yeah. all the cards out. Uh, a correction to last week, I said I really would have liked a uh, a list of what was in each part of the, the starter set. Oh. It's in the back of the menu. Yeah. Uh, 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 you have to cl- like click expand on the um, appendix, but it is all in there, so you can easily reset, which will be good for when we're teaching other people. Indeed. Being um, able to reset to a base game. Exactly. Because that teach was nice. That was, teach was nice, and I think that will really help the people we know who have um, all this, the um, original Android Netrunner stuff. And who knows, maybe they will get in very heavily into it and start adding uh, Nisei stuff as well. That was, um, yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to playing more of that. Yeah. As I said, it suffers with the same problem that all card-based games do. You can have a bad shuffle, and that can just completely fuck you. Yeah. But uh, there's not many other ways you could do that. You need some level of randomness. Yeah. And sometimes the randomness will get you. Yeah. The the thing that I think is always really useful in deck builders that, like, I had access to in my pool of cards and just didn't add any, and I would add in if I redid my deck. I don't know if your side had any options for this. Is searcher cards? Mm. That specifically exists to be like, search out one of blank. Like, I know on my side, uh, it's the icebreakers. Mm-hmm. It's search out any one ice taker, uh, breaker from your deck, and slotting three of those in is like, okay, I'm really missing something to get over. Code walls, cool, search, go yeah. actively find the one I need. Like, that that kind of stuff where it's like, throw in a good three staple of something that can let you look through and find the thing you're missing. Mm-hmm can improve consistency a lot yeah yeah um then we played some tapestry oh we did yes so uh i got tapestry as a uh, hatching day present from some local friends uh it's a civilization builder game you have uh your own personal board your own personal capital city uh Mm -hmm. your own personal um Faction civilization, I guess. Yeah, civilization's the right word because, like, when I look at the various things you have to do in this game, it's like, yeah, you're building a civilization, but they can't call it that because there's a game called Civilization. You can't call the game that, though. No, but like, um, that's what it is. Yeah, so you've got all your own personal boards, your own personal things that you do. Then you've got like the main board that you play on, which has like a central map area that you're exploring and adding more bits to, and potentially conquering if you choose to go that way. And then you have four tracks around the outside for science, exploration, technology, and military. Yeah, the kind of ways you can build a civilization. Yeah, so you can like start inventing things and studying things, and you can uh, move along like scientific uh, things, get to do more exploring, and perhaps even eventually go into space if you get all the way along that track. And along the track and hidden amongst various cards are the ability to put buildings in your capital city. Yeah! And they take up space, (laughs) and that space can be scored either to get you um, free... um, Resources. Free resources, or just, like, points as a result of filling in complete lines on your 9x9 grid. Yeah. And... 
it comes with just a bunch of really adorable little oh, resin buildings. All of those buildings are so beautifully sculpted and painted. They're oh. very nice figurines. Yeah. And you particularly enjoyed the spaceship. I mean, I, I I enjoy the whole um, transportation, traveling, um, exploration. Yes, this is light, lighthouse, train station, spaceship. Yeah, like three of my best <laughs> things. <laughs> they were your best one from things. Yeah. <laughs> um, they all come pre-painted. I say pre-painted. They seem to be like just solid plastic colours. And the first thing I thought as soon as I opened the box was, I want to give these a wash. I want yeah. I want to just get like a little color wash and just let it get right in there and and like highlight some things maybe just give it a little go over with just like a a light brown I, or something maybe I, I can see that but also they do still look really nice just out the box they already look they good. do but yeah. like there's just I think that would really finish them off I can especially see that, after yeah. playing like mix versus minions where it's like they're just grey figures that have had a wash. Yeah. That's it, all they've had done to them, and they all look so good. It makes a difference. It really does. And and for, for what little work is to do that. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Come on. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing more of that and, uh, yeah, uh, painting bits of it. So customising already. <laughs> Yay. Uh, what about you? Ah, uh, well, we played another board game. We did. We played Viticulture. Which was our UDP gift from the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I described it in very vague terms on stream the other night and someone instantly knew what it was. I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Viticulture is a worker placement game about running a vineyard and trying to create harvests of grapes and uh, harvest them off the vines and make them into wine and fulfill wine orders that are coming in. Uh, via worker placement. Uh, there's a lot mechanically I really like about this. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get to the thing that slightly unbalanced our first game, but oh, yes. we'll get to that. Um, so the, the general uh, way that it plays is that you've got a limited number of workers and you can add more, but that's going to require money. Um, and whoever has the first turn marker doesn't automatically go first. They get their first placement on a track of who goes yeah, first, first or second dibs. you get first dibs on a track that at the top end is i'm definitely going to go first but i don't get any bonus and at the bottom is i'm definitely going to go last but i get an extra worker this round and you sort of the, there are rewards between you place you pick your turn order that way and then you send your people out to try and get cards for grapes and try and plant the grapes and try and get money and do tours and uh, various things, and you're ultimately trying to manage like different maturities and strengths of grape and wine that sort of auto mature between turns. Yeah, so it, the the turns, as you're talking about them, are years. Yes. So it's a, it's a year, and it's split up into four seasons. So you have your spring, where you're picking where you're going to go in the turn order. Your summer, you do a set of actions that are very specifically all on the left-hand side of the board. You are uh, planting um, great, uh, planting vines. You're potentially um, building new buildings around, uh, around your own personal board. You are um, playing summer visitors who yes. will give you potentially bonuses or help you do certain things around your farm and or giving tours around your vineyard. And then you move into uh, the, the autumn, oh, where yes. you will get 
a card or potentially two cards if you've upgraded to get a cottage and then you move into winter and it's making wines and harvesting grapes and uh, fulfilling wine orders and and perhaps that way getting some like regular bonus cash yeah it it feels like summer is the setup and investing in yourself portion of Mm -hmm. the game it's very much like i'm gonna get more resources get things in the field um buy more workers uh buy more buildings that will give me bonuses over time build more bigger wine cellars so i can make more kinds of wine and higher end wines yeah so it's um, build your engine, work your engine. Yeah. And the set of workers you have is for the whole year. So yes. any you use in the summer to set up your engine are ones you won't have in the winter to work your engine. Yes. So you have to balance, like, how many actions do I want to squeeze in in summer? And how much do I leave myself for winter? Uh, there are limited spaces for these various actions on the board, so only a certain number of workers can be there. Uh, for most of them in two-player, it's a single worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have your grande worker, your big your big worker, that can go to a place that someone's already been, mm-hmm. and you're trying to balance, like, when do I send to them out? What's the most important one thing to my year that if I don't do it, I'll be fucked? Yep. Uh... Yeah. Do I risk using it in summer when I know I absolutely need to fulfill a wine order in this in the winter? Exactly. And it scales quite interestingly. So uh, normally there are three spots uh, for every action on the board, but in two player you can only use the first section. Yes. The second in uh, three to six player you can use the second section. Yeah. Uh, which includes uh, a bonus. Yes. And so potentially you can be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this, but it's going to cost me one less lira. Or yeah. I can play two of these cards. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, I think it's five and six player, use the the last mm. slot uh, of the three. And there's no bonus on that one, but it, it, it is just giving more spaces for everyone to put. Yeah. And it's really nice. Like, you've it got all is. your little workers... You've got your grande work, you've got little wooden buildings of, like, so you've got the medium cellar, the large cellar, the trellis, the tasting room, or Uh, tasting area. Yeah, the the, the tasting, tasting area, you've got the um, the, the little cottage, the windmill. The yoke. Yeah. Um, And then you've got these little lovely little glass bead components that you move around for what grapes of what strength you've got available and then and... moving them across to wine and it's yeah. great because they're transparent so you can see straight through them yes but also it's very clear where you are marks on what track yeah um so there is a card there is a card that kind of broke the balance on our first game and it, it getting it very early really helped i think um, it, it specifically it being in our first game it felt like oh i'm fucked Yes, because we didn't have enough understanding to, like, ah, here's how that could I be couldn't sort of mitigate that. <laughs> yes. So the short version is I got a card that let me make some high-end wine earlier than I was meant to without needing to have my big wine cellar to do it. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to get my first, like, expensive order out the door. It was a huge order as well. Yeah, and it helped that, like, I had the, the set of parents uh, at the start that gave me some wine orders in my hand at the start. Yeah, so not only did you get wine orders, you got really, really strong ones. 
and then got like a real big leapfrog yeah. to actually and getting those. I, I don't think it's necessarily like the game is poorly balanced, but I happen to have like three things that synergized really well. Yeah, I think now I could probably do way better. Yeah. But yeah. like on that first game, it was like, oh, everything yeah. has just gone way against Specifically, me. The, the problem I think is like um, some of those big wine orders will get you residual income where you yep. will start every year getting a little money for free. Mm. And getting a couple of steps up on that early really helped me out. Yeah. With my Papa card, I decided to take... The thing that got me a, a a free thing, as opposed to I well I there was a choice of cash or a free building, and I was like the building that I'm getting is worth two more than the money I will get. Yeah, surely it will make more sense to have this. And I think there were two problems with that. One, I didn't understand what the building was. I thought yeah. it was something else. And then once we got into the game, it's like maybe I wouldn't have done this. I, I I can certainly see value. I didn't take the money on mine either, but like if I'd taken the money and invested it straight away in the medium seller, that might have been a good move. So it feels like getting that medium seller early really opens up your options. Planting early. Yeah. Um also like I wouldn't be afraid to sell a field. Because yes. you have a five field, a six field, and a seven field, which you can sell for yeah. that price or buy back at that price. Yeah. And early game, there's nothing wrong with just going, I'm going to sell one of my fields. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you've not got anything to plant in there, so being able to go, I just need some stuff right yeah. now. I had a moment in the middle of the game where I, I was only, at most, I used two of my fields. I never yeah. used the third. There was a point where I considered selling that extra field so I would have money so I could buy a thing so I could like I was like I was like if I'm confident like it would have got me near where I needed to be but not quite mm -hmm. the win and I was like if I fuck this up I will be down a field and that might be a problem yeah. but like yeah in hindsight I'd probably sell the lowest value field early on and just buy it back later if it became important yeah there's, there's been a couple of games now because I've played a bunch of games against the Automa yeah and that teaches you to play quickly Yes. Because you have seven rounds to get 20 points. Oh, wow. If you haven't done it in seven rounds, then that that's it. Game over. You lose. And I still have not beaten it. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing to understand, I am told by people who play a lot of Viticulture, is it is not an engine builder. It's a race. Yes. And that that's... I think that's exemplified by things like that card that allowed me to fulfill one big wine order before I was supposed to is, yeah, yeah that's not working towards your, your engine. That, you know, you, you're not making things better for future turns by that doing that, but it moved you up the track and that's the yep. thing. Yep, yep, yep. Like, you need an engine, but, like, you need an engine with heavy hitters. I feel like spending more time with uh, visitors and doing more visitor-related yeah. stuff and using that to sort of combo together yeah. is a potentially better strategy. Because I played that first mm. game very much like an engine build. It's like, right, I'm going to train all of my workers. I'm yes. going to get as many workers as possible. And by the end of the game, I was barely halfway up the track. You'd already finished. Yeah. And I was like... I am just ready to start my engine. Yeah. It's like, oh See, no. I, I invested as little as possible into actually getting my workers off the ground and just went on early rounds. I'm not going to have much of an engine. I'm not going to be in too many vital positions. I don't need to go first. I'm going to keep taking the last place 
have an extra worker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not spending turns investing in getting those workers, and I'll pick the workers up when I can do so for a single action, like yeah. once I've got decent income. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating game. It is, and also like it was an easy automa to learn, because they're both made yeah. by... Um, Stonemaier games, mm. and they both of the the solo variants or like add an extra player variants are made by the Otoma Factory. Mm. So it's like the same sort of thing you would expect. In fact, like the fact that um, oh no, that's the wrong game I was thinking of. But yeah, like it's it's just turn over a card. Do you have these things? Cool. If you don't, if you're not using the Tuscany expansion, completely ignore this line. They're color coded. Do this here. Like, I can knock out a game with your Toma in, like, 30, 40 minutes. Wow. Be- like, you yeah. will st- you- there is less time for an analysis paralysis. Yeah. There is, okay, I know what I'm going to do, and I probably know what I'm going to do next, and after that, and after that, and after that. Yes. And, I mean, by the end of the first game, I was getting a bit of that going. I was like, I know I can do this with a turn if I can get more orders for fi- to fill... This will probably provide me what I need. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the Automa, though, is that it can be really cruel or it can be just fine. Yeah. Because there's like 20 or 30, I think, Automa cards. Yeah. You're going to pull at most 14 yeah. during a game. I mean, there are ways of making it more more difficult, which I'm not ready for yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like the fact that it can either go like, oh, I'm not putting anything down in spring. Yeah, uh, I'm not paying anything down in summer. To I am gonna fill just about every important space in winter, or just Ooh. every every important space. It's like, well, I guess I'm pausing until, or just you know, sending people to get me extra coin. Yeah, because like the fact that they can fill up a lot of different things, and they go first. You start oh. the you start the season with turn over an automa card. They fill this this this. Oh, they they will add between naught and three workers to the board, uh-huh. and if those three things are like super important to yeah. your strategy, yeah, I'll say turning wine a grape into wine, fulfilling an order, and getting a new order. Yeah, like harvesting is the really the only one of those you can mitigate. Yeah, because you can build the yoke fairly early on and just be like, well, I'll just. I will harvest a field on my own damn board without yeah. having to go on the main board. And, like, you can hold on to your big worker and uh, yeah. keep keep them around to but somewhat then it, mitigate. It's but... still very much a case of, like, well, they screwed me over in s- s- summer. Do I dare put something here? Yeah. Or do I wait until... Uh, or do I wait until um, winter and, like, be... I have to get some wine out this time. Yeah. Because obviously wine will increase things like your um, t- tour of the vineyard, where you yeah. will get a victory point. Gosh. What do I do? It's a really neat game. It's a really neat game, and I can understand why it's one of the most popular worker placement yeah. games. Because I enjoy a worker placement game, but I think that Viticulture has definitely dethroned um, Lords of Waterdeep as yeah. the one I would want to play. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it so yeah. much. Yeah. What about you? What else have you played? Ah, it's just Pokemon. Lots of poking man. Just Pokemon. I you downloaded so something to play that I want to inform people exists because it's uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'll oh, I'll get around to playing it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, people online have managed to reverse engineer Ocarina of Time 
so that there is now a PC port that runs widescreen 60 frames a second for Ocarina of Time. Heck yeah. A native a native 60 frames widescreen port and presumably it get ported to other things soon because, yeah, they've, they've reverse engineered it the way they did Mario 64. So it's mm. like, oh yeah, you can have like dual analog stick control and, and 60 frames a second and all that nice stuff. Sweet. So expect Ocarina of Time mods to become much easier to enact now. Ooh, I wonder if we'll start getting things like injecting I mean, new sprites and stuff. I mean, some of the Final Fantasy VIII stuff's incredible. I, I think it is only a matter of time before we get that uh, Space World uh, the, the, the cut dungeon <laughs> yeah. that people have been pulling yeah, apart. because they found it at the um, yeah. Finger League, didn't they? And it's, yeah, and they've been like getting increasing amounts of it playable and workable, and yeah. I don't I, I suspect it won't be long before that's in the... Oh shit, we might get the unicorn fountain at last. Exactly! <laughs> um, but yeah, what about you? I think you've played some other things. I have played some other things. Uh, I played um, a bunch more on the uh, Ammonic yeah. RG350M um, <laughs> for anyone who cares. Um, played through Turtles in Time. Ooh. I mean, fuck an army, but played through Turtles in Time yeah. or Turtles Arcade 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, got some nice digitised speech in there. It's a graphical upgrade from the original Turtles 4-player game, which is unfortunate because I was like, yeah, we'll go back and play through the original. Oh. Yeah, you, you got your order <laughs> wrong. Oh, no. Well, my, my thing was like, oh, I don't... I Like, I played way less of Turtles in time than I did of standard yeah, Turtles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my biggest problem with uh, either of the Turtles arcade games is just the... Lack of originality on enemy types. Yeah. Because it's just foot soldiers in pallet swaps. Yeah. Like, cool. Oh, you've got a different weapon, but basically you look identical. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Like, the bosses are okay, but, like, and and the same with Alien vs. Predator. I finished Alien vs. Predator as well. Yeah. Uh, a fun enough game until you get to the last few worlds. And then it's just like, no, we're going to take all of your money. Well, good thing you have all of the money. All of the fictional money. Yeah. But like back in the day, yeah. this was definitely just like, we are will, we will fleece children. Yeah, it's, and it's... the closer you get to the end, we will fleece you way harder yeah it's 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 coin coin munchers i know i I, like i get it i understand why it's shit it's it is fucking exploitative bullshit Mm -hmm. but i get it yeah (laughs) uh also played some legend of zelda oracle of ages oh how you getting on Uh, better than i did the first time yay because i i owned original cartridges for uh seasons and ages yeah and some bastard nicked both of them oh fuck returned the empty boxes to me Except somehow I ended up... One of them had a Game Boy original case. But the cartridge that was in it was Final Fantasy Tactics for the Game Boy Advance. Which I still have somewhere. <laughs> don't know why. Don't own a Game Boy Advance. Uh, um, yeah, I played through some, some ages. For, for anyone who doesn't know, these are the Game Boy Color Capcom developed ones. Yeah, that looked like they were built in the um, link to... the. Uh, uh, Link's Awakening. Uh, Link's Awakening yeah. engine. Definitely very visually similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right so far. Um, perhaps we shall sit down and play through it together at some point. I'd be very up for that. Yeah, we can play through both of them. Yeah. Well, you, your ambinit goes. It can go up on the telly, and we can connect a controller to it, so we can yeah, we can play it together. Well, I'll have to see about getting the cable to do the thing. 
But yeah. yeah, that would be that would be fun to give it a go. And like now, just being like, yeah, I think I get this. I don't know what happened previously. I remember like trying this years ago. Once, I mean, it didn't help that someone nicked them. Yeah, but just being like getting in, having a go, and being like, I don't, I don't get it. It's not fun. It, it's... Also, I hadn't completed many Zeldas at that point. Yeah, it it's some it it somewhat relies on understanding of the genre tropes. Yeah, that it it's not necessarily a good teach as a first Zelda. Yeah, like. Or an early one. Yeah, and, and and not even having the manuals this time, and I did have boxed with manuals. Yeah. Um, they weren't they weren't that old at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I am, but they weren't. Um, but yeah, like it's it's been nice to sort of play a bit more Zelda stuff uh, in a handheld. Yeah. Um, I also played some The Outer Wilds. Ooh, how are you getting on with that? Uh. Yeah, mm. this is your first time playing it. This is my first time but, playing but it. But you knew the gimmick going in. I knew the gimmick going in. Yeah. Um, because I, I sort of said to you quite early on, I was like, the way I'm going on, yeah. the amount of time I'm spending on this planet, it's all going to be over. Yeah. Um. So for anyone who doesn't know, this is a game about exploring space and... A little solar system. Yeah. I think this game has been out long enough to say as much as it is a time loop of some sort. Yes. Um... It is a fascinating little universe that is a little bit impenetrable at first. Also, like, it doesn't like you at all. It doesn't like you. You have to be okay with not being liked. Like, the, the number of times it's just been, like... So, I had a bit of wonder. wander... The first planet I went to was the It's Bigger on the Inside and Then Something Eats You. Yes, yes. The one with all the thorns. With all the thorns. Yes. And the mist. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess, I, okay, I'll, I guess I'll try somewhere else, maybe. Yeah. Uh, because that didn't seem to have much in the way of a surface. Not really, no. So, uh, I won, I, I tried to go to the moon. Oh, yes. Um, and I found, like, a little platform yeah. and some information. And a person playing a banjo, I think. Some... The person oh, there's a person playing a banjo on the moon. Ooh. Yeah. Um... But I did find a reference to, like, back on the home planet, so I went back to the home planet. Places other than the yes, area you start yeah. on, started on and, and had a bit of a hop around there, found a couple of vaguely interesting things. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try somewhere a bit different now, because I feel yeah. like I've I've had a bit from here. And I, I don't know if I was having a particularly low dopamine day, but, like, nothing in this game was, like... It's pinging even the smallest amount of dopamine. It, it is a game that I have found much easier to play since getting medicated. <laughs> so it might be a dopamine thing. Yeah. Um. But I I went to the the um sand timer planet. Yes. Like really late in in the day. I was yeah. like, cool. I'm gonna go there. It's very sandy. I'll have a bit of a wander around. Mm. Ooh, there's a weird big column of sand. That's interesting but i knew yeah. that because i've already watched the game makers toolkit video yes um because i was like i'm never gonna get to play that and here i am yeah. um and like i found like a few things being like you can't go in this way this door's locked you have to go through this other thing it's like cool i will come back here earlier in the loop yeah 
And I came back and the first time I fell down the big cavern in the middle of the planet and immediately cr- crushed to death under the <laughs> sand. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's try that slightly differently. So I landed slightly differently and I tried to get like on a platform and I didn't quite get crushed by, by the sand, but did get hit by the sand a lot. Then I got crushed by the sand. <laughs> so the third time I came back and I found like the place and I found a little platform like above where I was. And I could see the big sand thing coming. I was like, I go through that door as quickly as possible. Because there is very clearly like one of the... the yeah. I, I hesitate to say teleport, but it's like the, the portal tubes of yes, blue rings. Yes. It's like, cool, I'll dive into that and be carried away. And I walked straight into it and it immediately killed me. So I was like, so that wasn't telegraphed at all. So what I will say about this game is this is a game that benefits A... From dopamine medication, <laughs> uh, but also from not being a game that you sit down and try and do in one go. Oh, it is. I've only played no, it for an hour. No, no, no. I know, but like that wasn't a criticism of you. It is just a sort of general observation. Is I found that it's the kind of game that if I find myself getting frustrated like that, going, I'll come back to this later. Hmm. Like it's one of those. The second it's it's irritating, just come and play some more of it later. Yeah. Um, don't bash your head against it too much. No. But I mean, I, I did. Yeah. I was like, well, I've, yeah. I think I've done enough of this for now. Yeah. And I like, I've heard loads of people gushing about it. So it's like, it, I'm gonna walk away from that now because yeah. I am it, clearly not it, chemical enough. It takes some getting into because there is a stage at the start of that game where there is a lot of things that you don't know how to progress with and a lot of open ends to play around with. Yes, you are and picking up an awful lot of threads. Yes, and it's it's once you start put, like finding a thread you can pull correctly and then you realize it's connected to another pullable thread that it's like aha I'm in we're going. Mm. Um like there's there's a a lot of the early, there's I will say there is a lot of really good early like what on earth is that how do I do that stuff that I really like. Mm. Um like um, you you found like a telescope that you were looking. There was a you were looking at the sun through a big telescope at one point. I think um, yeah, it was sort of like I could see lots of things periodically appearing in yeah. there, and I managed to call a ship um, into the telescope oh, thing. Yes, yeah. And then I got on the telescope scope. I got onto the ship, and I fucked about with the ship a bit and realised that the ship basically had similar controls to the thing that had called the ship back. Mm. And then I flew into the sun. Uh, yes. Um, but one of the things I, like, early noticed around that that took me forever to work out what to do with was there was a little something orbiting around the sun and it looked like a little spaceship or a little platform or a little space station or something and it was going very fast orbiting but I was like, I don't know what the fuck that tiny little thing orbiting the sun is. I'm one in. And I, I spent so long, so many, so many attempts just flying into the sun being like, I'm going to, I'm going to aim at it. I'm going to land on it this time. I'm going to land on this fast moving fucking whatever it is. And I was like, there's, there's a lot of like, oh, I've noticed a cool thing and I desperately want to know more. Hmm. And until you get those first couple of threads unraveled, it can be a little bit, let me do the things. Also, if you're a bit clumsy, the beginning of that game is difficult. Oh, Because the... there is an awful mm. lot of, nah, you hit a thing too hard, get out and repair the ship. Oh, you hit a thing too hard, get out and repair the yes. ship. Oh, Look, you hit a thing too hard, get out and repair the ship. I had the exact same experience as you learning to pilot that ship in the beginning was real rough. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm mostly relying on autopilot now. Yeah. I'm not good enough for this, and that's <laughs> fine. Uh, have you played anything else? I played so much Pokemon. <laughs> it's good. 
It's very good. I have a whole team of six shiny Pokemon now. Two days before the game comes out. <laughs> I got my team of shinies. And um, I keep going on little adventures. So there'll be like a little notice about an infestation of a certain Pokemon. And I go, go get that. And then I just go catch a bunch of that one Pokemon over and over. And then I run off to the next thing. And I've got a bunch of quests to do. And Pokemon's good. That's your review, everyone. There you go. Pokemon's good. Pokemon's good. Look, I, I will. The last thing I'll say about it, I'll, I'll get it one last. Be. I'll get a last thought in. <laughs> um, I will say this about it. I think the divisive thing about this Pokemon game will be: Are you here because back in the nineties, you you know the gotta catch them all tagline got you, or are you a competitive multiplayer, serious about the stats tournament player? Because Gotta catch them all, folks. I think this is going to be the game for you. You're going to love it. If you are the tournament end of that scale, this is not going to be the game for you and you are not going to like it, and that's fine. Anyway, that's everything I've played. Well then, <laughs> time for this. Right, right, right. We need a... It's time for us to formulate a press release, I think. Why? Oh, no, no, no. Press release. We've got to sit down and work and not have this be so a social event. Uh, we're a business meeting, don't you mean? Well, I mean, look, if you keep it down to one very big glass, we can probably still call it a business meeting, I suppose. Okay, I'm just going to put a straw in this bottle. <laughs> uh, I mean, a bo- what is a bottle if not one big glass? Exactly, a glass. Exactly. Uh, so, so, the press... Refill my glass. Press are a little peeved off with us, oh. as I see in the government. Oh, haven't we paid that bastard enough money? Oh, I know, I, I know, but... but Apparently, they, they believe we've been partying during various lockdowns where we've been telling them not to party. Oh, come on, we keep legislating them to allow them to do whatever they want and say well, whatever exactly. they want. But they're complaining about back when we, you know, we're actually trying to give a bit of a fuck. Oh. And they keep saying, oh. Why did we ever you give You weren't following the rules. You were partying. You said you were doing a work meeting. You were getting sloshed. And it having was a... a work meeting. It was. I, how was I supposed to know that 40 people having a booze up was a social event? I mean, given how much we drink, how would we even know the difference? Exactly. The number exactly. of times there's been some boring bollocks going on in the house, and I've been like just popping to the to the house bar and having a few whiskeys, a port of brandy pudding and cigars and then just popping back in well, to a maybe vote on something I've barely paid any attention to well, I'd be I'd, asked. I mean, I mean, I think the bigger problem mayhaps is possibly even just that how was I supposed to know that it was against the rules? Well, how am I supposed to know what the laws well, are? Well, exactly. I spent so long at the bar. How am I supposed to know what we've passed into law at this exactly. point? Exactly. Look, if you've ever been in the House of Lords uh, more than a couple of hours, it's dreadfully dull, dreadfully boring. Yeah. I, I, I challenge anyone who's had to be in the House of Commons or the House of Lords to actually fucking pay attention. Oh, bloody it's building. It's, it's soaked in randy. Designed to make me fall asleep. It's why I've got to have all the wine, you see. Well, exactly. But that and the fumes from the bar. Oh, I know, I know. See, look, the deserts of them at home, they're much better at knowing the rules because, they, you know, they've, they've got to be at work where, you know, they're not drunk. Well, I'm going to help them know the rules. Yeah, and then now, you know, big business is pressuring us to get the bastards back to work, you know. I mean, that's good because they can know the rules again. And don't just... kill them, kill them. Uh, no. I don't care. Just another brandy. 
Maybe work, work brandy. Well, 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 work business brandy. brandy. Um, I'll put, I'll put, put a post-it it, note on it. There's a post-it note. There you go. It says drink me. Yeah, good lad. Um, ah, you're, you're mm, doing, no, doing no. the work already. Refill my glass. Well, uh, can't get the service these days. Hello and welcome to our review show. Today we are reviewing our new cat. This is Mittens. Mittens is an older cat that we got from the shelter. Mittens likes cuddles and being warm and being near where the people are. Yeah, Mittens is very cuddly, unlike our previous cat Jade who did not like sitting with people but was still very lovely. But still very lovely, but made sh- made sh- made sure you knew no 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 pet no for touch no for touch for look no touch. Mummy said no touch, and so did Jade. To be honest, yeah yeah, and uh, we uh, very much enjoy uh, mittens. Mittens is a good cat and very friendly and and likes to roll around and play with string, and and I would give mittens uh, seven kitty treats out of ten for being an excellent cat and, and adding extra value to the family. I would give Mittens uh, six kitty treats out of ten, not because I don't think Mittens is good, but because more than six might be bad for Mittens' health. That's a good point. I reduce my score to six kitty treats so as not to make Mittens sick because but, I but, love Mittens. But, mittens is but good. But also ten out of ten Mittens is very good. Best kitty. Yeah. Yeah. So... <gasps> What have you put in your eyes? Oh, I should check what I've put in my eyes. I've, I've, I put my little list down, didn't I? Because did. I'm a silly. You did. Um, I watched. Um, I watched a YouTube video called "Why This Zigzag Coast Guard Search Pattern Is Actually Genius" by Smarter Every Day on YouTube. Um, so I learned a lot about how so- search patterns for coast guards work, and it's not all. There are various different patterns, but depending on what the the wind and the um the tides are doing, the short version is if you know where someone fell off a boat, and that's a like you put that point on a map, and you start searching around that point in like what would seem like a logical um path you're probably staying in one spot looking while a person is being drifted away. Um, right, because like if you if you pick a physical location and go, this point, this is where they were lost, and you stay looking around there, currents. They're, they're not going to be where they, they initially yeah, fell yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So there is a method of, of looking at, as Coast Guards that essentially from an overhead view looks like a bunch of differing sized triangles drifting across the ocean. Mm-hmm. And the short version is that you are going in a... uh, You're working out what speed the water currents are moving Mm -hmm. and in what direction. And then you do like a series of straight straight lines to cover as much area as possible. But with your boat moving with the drift at a certain speed. Mm -hmm. um, So that like as you're doing your search pattern, you're not going a set distance. You're going for a set amount of movement so that you are sort of following the the drift of the current. Yeah. You are basically being pulled along. You're trying to do like a star-shaped pattern, but because you are drifting in a direction, it comes out looking like a bunch of weird triangles. Oh. It's fascinating. Um I it was a really interesting video. Yay. Uh what about you? Uh, we we sat down and watched that um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. We did, yeah. That that ghost Ghostbusters that is like, hey, autistic nerdy kid does a Ghostbusters, and also that Stranger Things kid is there. Yeah, uh, it's real fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I very much enjoyed it. 
Uh, I thought the cast of kid actors was very well... They did a very good job. Yeah, I like that they cast kids, predominantly kid actors, and yeah. went, it's a kids movie, everyone. Exactly. You there, I, in your 40s. Yeah. Stop being a dick. I, I feel like the perfect character to put in with that set of kids is Paul Rudd, because Paul Rudd acts very well alongside children. The ageless man. Yeah, the ageless man does a very good job of like seeming at home in a cast of children. Yes. Um, I... I really liked a lot of the artistic choices about how they represented uh, ghosts were yeah. well done. Yeah, it was... I definitely preferred that style of ghost to the ones they did in 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I fucking love 2016 Ghostbusters. Oh, God, same. It is It is not amazing, but I love it. I, I like it more than Ghostbusters 2. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, really enjoyable. It... I liked all the tech in it. Yeah, it was funny, it was sweet. Um the the fact that this is my biggest complaint should tell you this is a good film. The original cast. <laughs> no, I was going to say my biggest complaint is that they named a character podcast and that annoys me. Why? The podcast was great. Great character. Right. The name feels like a boardroom of adults tried to go what are, what are Gen Z kids into? I'm guessing Dan Aykroyd wrote that one. Possibly, because the the thing is, this kid is young. Thing I've learned, the kids in that age group, yeah, podcasts have been and gone. That their era is passing. The kids don't care about podcasts. No, no, no. It's, it's... Maybe, maybe that's part of the the thing with that kid then. Maybe, maybe his it... thing is a bit retro because he lives in a small town. Maybe, I don't know, there was a bit of it that just came across as Dan Aykroyd. He's like, I know what the youth are into. Podcasts, right? It felt a little old man tries to do tech. In Yeah, I mean, I guess it felt like the, um, just the trope of the AV kid that's been in fucking everything. I'm, I'm like, I don't even mind the trope of the AV kid. It is specifically the name was a weird, cringy choice. Like, and that, honestly, not that big a problem. It's... I thought it was really sweet. Yeah, I look. I'm making it sound like a bigger problem than it is because, like, the point I was making was the fact that that tiny little nitpick of oh, that kind of annoyed me is the biggest complaint I had about that film. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good time. The other thing I really <laughs> squiggly in the other. The other thing I really like about the name podcast yeah. is it feels like the kind of thing that kid would get bullied by having shouted at him. I mean, see, that's the thing. And that feels... It feels a bit... No, that's what I call myself, and I have claimed it. See, here's the thing. 100% I would have agreed with you if they'd shown... If they'd had one person shout it disparagingly and, like... There would have been some context in which I'd have gone, oh, yeah, you're reclaiming that because, yeah, it's a term kids make fun of you for. Yeah, sure, I get that. The way it's presented in the film is I came up with it because I think it's very cool, and I was like... Maybe that's meant to be like not not meant to be. It 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 in an it felt maybe, like maybe if it had been a naughty's movie, he would have been called like vinyl or something. Yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just part of me doesn't want like the thing I do do as a job to be like. Oh god, the kids think that's a that's a that's a funny weird nickname. Ah, oh, it's I love I'm getting that. old. It's fine. I'm old. I'm old. The kids think of my art form as retro. Fuck. Yeah, that's it. We're retro. It's fine. I yeah. It's fine. It's just. It's, it's just how it be. It is how it be. I forgot my point. I enjoyed the film. Oh, I like yeah. the jokes. 
yeah, I, th- I thought the humor was done well. The action, was... but like the deliberate yes. one-liners, the 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 terrible punny one-liners are amazing. Um, <laughs> and without saying too much, I think that they did a good job of handling the fact that uh, one of the original cast is dead. Yes. They handled that about as well as a film like this, I think, could have done. I mean, the estate of Harold Ramis are perfectly happy with it, so who are yeah, we to complain? Exactly, and I, I felt like I was impressed by what they managed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I immediately sat down and Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's answering that question, so I just have to assume. But yeah, yeah I, I thought it was uh, a fun movie, and yeah. I hope that the fact that it is... Once again, sort of predominantly a younger crowd that that will not necessarily piss off neckbeards on the internet, but like bring it to like a younger people. Yes. Because we can't keep making media for people my age. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) because it doesn't please them, it doesn't satisfy them, they just get angry on the internet. Yeah. Look, it's look. Our generation is already becoming the old person yells at cloud. You know, it's, no, it happens. No. It happens to every every generation. Uh, only if you let it. I know. And we're <laughs> trying not to let it, but generationally, it's occurring. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <sighs> right then. Um. Have you watched anything else? Uh, yeah, we both watched uh, a little bit of Festival of Rail. We did! You uh, did just a very fast train and you didn't derail. I did a very fast train and I didn't derail, but toward the end of the speed, second speed run, I did um, activate the emergency alarm because I was in the uh, carriage section and it doesn't do an audible alarm. Too busy living it up in, in, uh, in the carriage. Too busy trying to solo an hour of interesting content for train enthusiasts. Um, Without chats and communic- bounce ex- off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I watched a bunch of the VODs of that afterwards, so I yeah. saw a bunch more of the content. Uh, Festival of Rail is a thing that's run by Rail Fan TV and uh, Dovetail Games, who make uh, Train Simulator and Train Sim World 2, for example. Um, they asked me to do a little hour-long spot, and that was really nice. But also I watched a bunch of other train creators who I didn't know about, and I found a bunch of new people to, to go and watch on Twitch and YouTube. So... If you go look up Festival of Rail 2022, go watch some of the, the content and go find some trains. Watch the whole thing. It's yeah. f- five hours of just nice yeah. people talking about trains. Exactly. There are multiple days of just people having a good train time. Go watch it and learn about train creators. Because if you enjoy me enthusing about trains, there's other people who also get excited about trains. Yes. What about you? What did you watch? Uh, I watched a bunch of um the wait in the wings channel on youtube mm. uh which is predominantly talking about musicals i of, watched a few of those with you and how they succeeded yeah. or failed or seriously yes. injured their actors yes the behind the scenes that led to things like um stunt double uh, stunt doubles drastically injuring themselves in spider-man um turn off the dark yes or um the mess that was the original attempt to make a carry musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the sort of like nice revival of that. Yeah. Uh, we watched the the one about the evil dead, which was an oh, interesting yes. story because I'd never heard of that. Oh, it's 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 worth a watch of some of the, the fan recordings out there. Yeah, it seems to be like pretty well loved. Um yeah. the one that started it was SpongeBob. 
This was like, I enjoyed Spongebob. I'll watch a thing about the Spongebob musical. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that was really that sweet. Spongebob musical was really, like, surprisingly better than it had any right to be. And I think for all the reasons they talk about in that Weight of the Wings episode, and just, like, the stuff of... They decided not to make it in foam suits and not to have someone just deliberately doing a a Spongebob voice and, you know, not going too far into certain things. But uh, but also, like, at the beginning being more like their characters, but once that's been established who those actors are playing, you give them being more their own thing. Yeah, and... Honestly, like, I think that is one of the greatest examples ever of adapted casting. Mm. Like, I can't think of an adaptation of a piece of media that is so nailed. Like, here is a thing about cartoon animals and sponges, and we 100% captured them with human people in just regular clothes. Yeah. And they nailed it so good. I don't know. Let's not downplay the costume department, because there are some amazing costumes. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying, like, specifically, like, the the everything put together of them on stage yeah. sold the illusion impressively. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, like Mr. Krabs with the boxing gloves. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And um, Patrick with his sort of quiffed up pink hair. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's a, it's a very well made musical. It's great, and I, I particularly love um, Squidward's legs. Oh yeah. The fact that like the front and back legs are sort of connected in in one thing and. Just the way they move is amazing. It's it's a magical, magical production, that one. It's really good, and just watching the story of how it all came together and the person they really wanted to do it was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then coming back a few years later and being like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. And the decision not to be like, well, what do we do? Do we just want to try and translate an episode? No, that's... Like, it's like a 10-minute show. It's not really going to yeah. work for a, an hour-plus to 90-minute yeah. musical. And and just, like, the editing and the casting and how that all worked. And, yeah, it's it's a nice documentary. And they are, they're, they're all really well-researched. And, well, as far as I can tell, they're all really well-researched. Yeah. And, um, and, and interesting to watch with like lots of yeah. different types of recordings of those shows. I, I've been very much enjoying the ones I've seen. Um, the only critique I would have, and it's a very minor one, is that sometimes like it'll be very clear the story has been told and then there'll be another five to ten minutes of reiterating things that have already kind of been reiterating at the end. Mm. Like the the endings... Sometimes they sometimes ramble and repeat themselves for a while at the end. Um, and like it's not enough of a thing where I will skip the end, mm. but I'm like, this could have ended a few minutes ago. You could have edited this a bit. Yeah, you could have ended it, say, here, and you did just sort of talk in circles for a bit afterwards. But like, along the road to the end, very concise and well structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have you watched anything else? Uh, I watched a bunch more Can I Fix Them on the YouTube channel Tronics, Tronics Fix. Um, I talked about these the other week. You did? Yeah, uh, I was watching a video. Fixed? Uh, I was watching one when I was finishing up work today that was uh, bought a job lot of, I think, 44 broken gaming handhelds and tried to fix them. And it was a mix of 2DSs, 3DSs, DSis, PSPs, Oof. a weird amalgam job lot that mm. he was going through that was quite interesting to watch. 
Uh, and and was it a good number that were repaired? Or? Uh, he's still working through them. At the point where I was watching, he was going through doing the initial, like, putting post-it notes on them and going, at a first this glance, is, this yeah. seems to be what's wrong. Uh, does this one seem promising? Does this one seem like a no-go? Mm-hmm. Like, trying to sort them into piles so we could, like, then go, okay, I think this is DSs with broken hinges, and, like, do the same fix working down the lists each yeah. time. Um... So yeah, that was that, that was neat. Yeah. Uh, you watched anything else? I've watched a two hour and twenty minute long video by Folding Ideas called Line Goes Up. Line Goes Up. Line Goes Up. It feels like such a supremacy software thing. And that's funny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I take it you know about this video. Yeah. It is an explanation of, like, uh, how and why NFTs. Yep. And a lot of it I already knew because you know I'm I'm online quite a lot, so you you're either into it or you understand it to some degree. Because several people have at some point, usually through Twitter threads, attempted to explain it in the simplest possible terms. Yeah. The one thing I'd never seen before was the connection to the um, uh, 2008 stock market crash. Yes. Um. Oh, or just like the 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 group. It's weird that I'm only recently hearing it referred to as the Great Recession. Yeah, because yeah. I, we didn't really think about it like that at the time. I mean, a term like the Great Recession kind of needs enough distance to go. Oh, it stuck around. Yeah, I guess um, so. But yeah, like one hundred percent. It like I understand how. Um, a big, very public uh, financial crisis caused by the banks would cause a lot of people to be willing to go along with a conspiracy that decentralised money is inherently safer Mm. and to go down the route of cryptocurrency and NFTs. But, like, the the fun thing is, like, looking looking back into these things of most of them aren't that decentralised. That's the thing. I mean, we had that thing recently where one Amazon server went down and it fucked an entire um, yeah. Bitcoin system. Yeah. Cryptocurrency, rather. Yeah, it, it's like the whole thing of, like, we're starting to see, like, NFTs and, and crypto things. Like, um, Ubisoft Quartz is a great example of one that's like, it's a decentralized thing, like cryptocurrency. Except it's not. It's it's not. It's yours. It's one company it's... runs it, and there's no proof of work going on, and it and one company can yes or no and can backtrack transactions because it's not decentralized. Although to be fair, they they are just a more blatant version of it. Yeah, but like that's the thing is like we're starting to get to the point where like the assumption that decentralized automatically applies to cryptocurrency and NFTs is allowing a lot of things that are not what people think they're signing up for. Can I go around in that? Yeah. One one of the other things I didn't know about was um, if you know somebody's crypto wallet, yeah. you can just put stuff in it. Yes, you can. Um, which Because I'd heard about lots of people being like, yeah, this is a fake, this is a fake, just turning up and like by having clicks on them to remove them or interacted with these things at all, they'd allowed access to people to just drain their fucking wallets. Yup. Like, huh. Yeah, this is a bad system. It's it's like you know how if you know someone's account number and sort code, you can send them money without them having to say yes first. Yes. it's like that. But if you could send things, what that if you could send money, them a bomb? What what if you could send them like a letter that when you open it, it's just like aha, you you opened this inside the bank. Now I have your money. 
What? What? You, what? Yeah, like you've sent a, a, you've, a, a you letter sent... to the teller, being like, "Please send this person all my money. I have said this because I opened it from my account." Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. It's like Trojan horsing yourself into the bank vault. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's um pretty fucking wild. It is. Um, and like the uh, oh, I can't can't remember what the name of it is, but basically like. We've got an oversight thing, do you? Because most of the people doing the oversight are already staggeringly wealthy. Or mm-hmm. on a fucking grift. Yeah. Um, oh, God. It, it, it's, mm, it's so ridiculous. It really is. <laughs> and destroying the planet. So I mean that too. But that, I think most of the people who listen to this show already knew. That. Well, we're not keeping it a secret that crypto is destroying the planet. No, I think people are just <laughs> aware enough. I know, I'm being silly. <laughs> oh, I'm now sad about the fact that we recently told someone about NFTs who'd never heard of them. Oh, gosh. They're a massive environmentalist. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were so I, I didn't realise... That they hadn't, they hadn't heard that there were computers using up like an entire country's electricity to make fake money. And we just offhandedly made a reference to NFTs I mean, and then had to explain. I mean, I, I am, a, I, I am in awe of anyone who lives in a world where they managed to go this long without having to hear about those. That's wonderful. They're not really on the internet. I mean, yeah, but they're, equally, they're like, terminally offline. Yeah, but being in like. You know, you know th- those kind of like wildlife conservationy circles. I did was sure it would have come up. I guess so. The, like the thing that's burning the planet. Hmm. Uh, uh, they were mostly focused on Tories and fox hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched anything else? Uh, the last thing I watched, and this has been a thing I've done a few times now recently, and I find fascinating is so Pokemon Legends Arceus leaked onto the internet last week and uh this is like an ongoing problem for nintendo um all of their big releases keep leaking like weeks ahead of release because of there's a hardware issue with the first six months of switches that makes them impossible to to patch uh, to patch in a way that would you know prevent piracy happening and it makes piracy really easy um and i've been kind of fascinated watching this all unfold because Nintendo cannot do anything about this short of releasing a new model of the Switch with games that do not run on the first six months of Switch sales, which they will not do until it's time for a Switch 2 or maybe a Switch Pro. Um, So, like, there's nothing Nintendo right now can do about piracy. The main thing stopping piracy is internal faction politics, and that is interesting. Um, the other thing is supply chain logistics. So, like, a lot of how this is working, and it's the same reason why street date broken copies are a problem at the moment, is, uh, most street date broken copies that, like, are getting out the earliest, um, like, two, two and a half weeks before anything else, start leaking out because America has a really bad problem with, uh, logistics of getting things to stores. They have distribution centers around the U.S., and if something has to be at a store five minutes down the road from the distribution centre and at a store in Alaska, they will send both of them at the same time to make sure the one that gets to Alaska gets there on time. And this leads to a lot of release date set products arriving near distribution centres weeks ahead of their release dates and Nintendo and companies in general haven't worked out good ways of, you know, preventing 
people accessing those copies before date. Like, well, I mean, it doesn't help that there's all those US fucking train hijackings going on at the moment. Well, I mean that too, yeah. But like, there's there's no like, ah, uh, this box is time locked, and or if you know we're gonna ask on release safety to show us the box and there hasn't been. A, there's none of that going on. And that means there is several weeks in which someone who wants to play a game early just whoop, get one out of box. Yeah. Like, not make a big deal about it. Suddenly they've got it. Suddenly it's on the internet. And it's not like they pay warehouse workers well enough to not do well, this, things like this that. This is it. Is If you look historically, like, Pokemon is a series that this keeps happening to. It's been happening since... Basically ever since the series moved to um, uh, 3D and consoles that had digital downloads of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so often when it happens, it's warehouse worker steals a copy. It, it's it's minimum wage workers who aren't paid enough to give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but like, the thing that I find really interesting is like, basically since Metroid Dread uh, last year, this keeps happening. And every time it happens, it seems to be the same story. And I watched it unfold here really interestingly is fights about who gets the credit versus who takes the risk for uploading a file to the internet mm. is the biggest thing slowing down games leaking. So, like, with Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, the short version is a website that never intended to leak the game got a, a copy early and wanted to drip-feed information about the game out on their Twitter bit by bit so that they could get a few weeks of really solid, like, Twitter followers, like, ah, we'll tweet out uh, an image of the starter evolutions, we'll tweet out this thing we got from data mining the game, this is how this mechanic works. Hmm. And someone in a Discord server for that group uh, saw a folder that had all of the Pokemon files, like, the the pictures of all the Pokemon forms in it, and didn't realise it hadn't already been shared, and just put the Google Drive link out, and suddenly everyone had access to all the images of all the Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And they got kicked out this 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 group for having not drip fed it and put it up as a Google document because now no one's going to click on their Twitter to see it drip fed out over two weeks. And this person got so annoyed about having been like slighted and kicked out this group that they went, fine, fuck it, and uploaded the game under their real name very publicly, just put the game on the internet. Like, oops, this is the kind of like, this is the shit that prevented this game leaking earlier than it did was internal faction politics. Like, this is the, the, the stuff, not any security on Nintendo's part, mm. that is keeping their games from, you know, being spoiled two weeks early. And it's a fascinating situation that I... I I, I, it's been very interesting watching the the moves that people make, thinking it's going to protect them from getting in trouble for very public acts of of uploading stuff to the internet. It's, I want to write about this at some point. I've I've been watching every time it happens, going like, let me let me watch all the things happen and see see what's going on because mm. it's a, it is a fascinating world. Yeah, yeah. You watch anything else? That is everything I watched. Well then. To this. Oh no, we've got a new sponsor! Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you want this? Oh. Oh, what, 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 what is that? Mm, it's I, I, the thing we were saying. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm struggling to. Okay, so there's, there's the smooth round bit on there. Mm hmm. But then it sort of shoots up at the top. Yeah, but then if you turn it this way. Oh, it. It, it almost disappears. Is that a 
two-dimensional one. Yeah, but then you turn yeah. it a bit more and it's different again. I, And then I turn it back... Well, I keep turning it that way until it should be back where it starts and it's... Oh, it's not. Oh, but if you, like, pass your hand through the top of it... Oh. Ooh. Like, oh. it's... It's... Feels? Question mark? Odd? It feels... But does it feel? It... It... If time had a feeling... Mm. Mm. It feels mm. like time. Mm. It feels like... The passing of time. Who sent us whatever this is? This is from merediths.lol.net. Oh. That tells me nothing. I was hoping the web address would be like a... Like, Meredith's House of uh, Non-Euclidean Horrors? Enter the code QMPS199... At the checkout and get your very own free plus shipping. Uh, get your very own free plus shipping. Yeah. I, Have you noticed if you like hold it up to your ear, it sort of hums? Oh, it sounds like humming to you. It sounds like the screams of the damned to me. Oh, no, turn it this way. Oh, there we Okay, yeah, I'm hearing the humming now. Yeah. Yeah, there's also there is also the screams of the dead. That's <laughs> Meredith.lol.net and get this thing. Mm. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh Press still uh, getting on her ass a bit. On our asses, all day, all night. Exactly, and like, not in the fun way something can be on your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been looking at other uh, other big corporations to try and work out how they uh, distract from all the, the bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, re- I mean, we did rebrand pretty recently. I know, I know, but like, I've got a better, uh, well, not a better plan, a different plan. Yeah. So uh, you you recognize that, you saw that uh, the candy company with the anthropomorphized uh, little sugar shell chocolate uh, and and ends. Yeah, the the uh, yeah the the sweet thing. Yeah, little sweet things. Uh, they got they put little faces and arms. It's and hot legs chocolate, the, but uh, it's not hot chocolate. It's just yeah yeah little... sugar coated chocolate. Yeah, so like they distracted from some not great news about some stuff going on with their workers by uh doing a quote unquote less sexy, more diverse uh, redesign of their characters. and That like, is fucking genius. I know. And, like, look, like, all they did is, like, we say unsexy, you know, they they just, uh, they toned down the heels ever so slightly and got the, uh, the right-wing folks, uh, real hot and bothered. Yeah, I mean, that, that chocolate still has damn good legs. How dare you make that chocolate... Fintons. How dare you make that chocolate less sexy to me, a TV presenter. I don't know. know, I'm kind of into flats. I mean, yeah, same, but like it's enough that, you know, if you say it's unsexy, they'll get they'll get wound up. Yeah. yeah so like, yeah. you know, that that that's one thing I saw. Right. But the other thing I saw is sometimes they do a big shout when we make a character that isn't traditionally sexy, we we sexy him up for no reason. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, make your character smile. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my plan. Here's my right. plan. We invert the entire sexiness scale of all right. of our characters. Right. Every sexy character is unsexy now. Every unsexy character is sexy. Right, okay. We take the Space Marine, they got tits now. We take the beach volleyball player, we, you know, put a sweater on them. Yeah. 
there you go. Everyone's upset. Every character is bad now. Or great or now. Again, yeah. Exactly. No one can decide whether they like or hate what we've done. In the grim dark sweater. Exactly. It's gonna yeah. be chaos. No one will know what opinion they're supposed to have. It'll be a bloodbath. But they won't be talking about the awful things we've done. No, they'll be talking about... Is it good or bad that the uh, beach bikini babe is now in a sweater, but Space Marine has tits? You are a fucking genius. <laughs> I know. So, <gasps> what have you put in your ears? Uh, I have listened to a few new bits of music. Uh, there's two in particular I will mention. Uh, I listened to a track called Terrible Things by Brick Plus Mortar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really interesting track that I find very hard to compare to any other genre. Um, it's one of those tracks that the best thing I can say is just go listen to it. It does a lot of stuff with unique kinds of sounds, uh, unique pacing, um, vocals, genre. Very chaotic track, but somehow wrangled in to, to make it work. A mm. uh, track about the struggle of having intrusive thoughts that you would never act on about doing terrible things, but feeling like a bad person because of intrusive thoughts. Uh, good song, and I think that lyrically it works with the sort of chaotic nature of the music. Mm. Uh, the other one I want to note is FTM at the DMV by a band called Schmeckle which is an all-trans Jewish folk-punk band from Brooklyn. Cool. The track is a fast-paced satirical punk track about the struggles of being a trans man who is Orthodox Jewish navigating the bureaucracy of the DMV. I've heard awful things about the DMV. Indeed. Especially for trans people. It is a very fast-paced, humorous, comedic folk-punk song about being a, 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 a trans-Orthodox Jew at the DMV, and it made me chuckle, and it's got a lot of, like, very clever, rhythmic, rhyming wordplay going on. It is a fun track that I enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. What about you? Me? Yeah. Uh, I have caught up on a bunch of uh, talking to women about video games, which Ooh. is... Uh, uh, a podcast featuring that Jonathan Holmes. Yeah. Uh, you've been on there? I've been on there, yeah. And uh, just talking to women about video games. They did a whole thing about um, Parappa and Um Jamalami. Um, trying to explain... Uh, just trying to explain. Especially, <laughs> like, especially Um Jamalami, which had forgotten the whole thing about babysitting. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. This is weird because as you sing in the tracks, I'm like, no, I absolutely remember that track. You'd, you'd sort of put it in a mental vault somewhere. I think I I don't remember how long I played it, but I think I got way further through that game than I thought I did. I re- I remember at some point I either got stuck or just had to sell my copy for some reason, mm. and like or just never came back to it. And and just assumed I hadn't got that far, but like he's like, and then the next level is like this thing, and it's and I'm like, no, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> like I do remember the the pilot getting things dropped on his head, and then like the the baby crying. Yeah, um, like there is a lot going on. I remember the the fire hose, which I think is the second level. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean, considering that Parappa was only what seven levels. If that... Yeah, it was pretty short. Very short. But yeah, um, 
yeah, more talking to women about video games. It's just it's a good, fairly, nice... fairly gentle conversation about video games. It's a good, nice time. Yeah. What about you? Um, honestly, the only other thing I've listened to is a bunch of the Legends Arceus soundtrack, just as background music. Just while I'm writing, have it, having it open on another screen and just listening to the, the music. There's a nice mix of, like, some of it is very Breath of the Wild in that it's, like, sort of ambient quiet just sort of happening in the background a little. Mm. There is stuff that is more traditionally, oh, that's a Pokemon theme happening. And then there's, like, there's almost, like, electro swing in there at places. Like, Ooh. there's there's some, like, real funky, real funky danceable beats at points. Like, it's... It's got a really neat mix of stuff going on in that soundtrack. Uh, what about you? Uh, I listened to, uh, on the YouTube channel Dr. Bonkers Inc., uh, Synthwave slash Electric Mixtape 1. It's Ooh. just, like, a couple of hours of really nice, very chill Synthwave. Mm. Uh, you got any others? Uh, I think that's it for things I've listened to. Well then. <gasps> Time for this. Welcome, travellers, to my shop. Can I show you anything? Some armour, perhaps a weapon? Anything you'd like? Um, yes. Um, do you have any nice trousers? Ah, yes. Come through here. Um, we have a whole arrangement, a, a, a vast range of stuff. Is there anything you'd like? What, what size, perhaps? Oh, uh, a medium. Medium, medium. There you go. Clink, 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 clink. That's a pretty huge... Yeah, just a medium, though. Belts for days. I mean, would you prefer something with more belts? Like, like large belts? I, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe... Or more and smaller belts? I mean, fewer belts? Fewer. Oh, you're one of those, are you? I mean, that looks like a very impractical, like, if, I, if I'm ambushed in the night, you Leggings. see. Is that... They've got a pattern on Diamond. Is is there no midpoint between leggings and actual protective armor that? Oh, okay. Um, here is um metal chaps with bikini bottoms. I guess that is more in the direction I was aiming for. Okay, just the bikini bottoms. These no, ones are gonna no, spike. No, I was thinking like less less chap. Less chap. And you're sure you don't want the belts? I mean, that that seems like an impractical number of belts. I don't want my trousers to take 45 minutes. Right, okay. Um, and you're sure it wasn't the leggings? Honestly, they, they, they look quite comfortable. Is that pockets on the side of the leggings? Yes, but don't tell Ant, of course. Because this is an RPG shop, they, you can fit anything in there. <gasps> thousands sold. and thousands of sold. items. Sold, sold, now, sold. Now, about a weapon. Uh, impractically heavy to carry, or almost looks like it wouldn't do anything. Oh, impractically heavy, of course. <laughs> right this way. When there's trouble, when there's fear, when chaos seems ready to fall around you, there's a tiny mouse wearing a cute little hat that's kind of waving at you and giving you an encouraging thumbs up. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. oh God. we're never gonna get out of here. What's oh my God! Oh God! This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Oh, is that is that a tiny mouse in a hat giving me a thumbs up? Thanks, tiny mouse. Oh, I 
feel so encouraged. You know, thanks, tiny friend. We're going to get the fuck out of here just fine. <laughs> That's Tiny Mouse wearing a cute little hat, which is waving at you and giving you a thumbs up. <laughs> Coming to cinemas this spring. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. Alright, Larry. Oh, Barry, how you doing? Oh, mate. Yeah. Mate. What? What's up? Oh, well, Florida, gonna Florida, as, oh, as you know. God, Florida, Florida do do Florida. Florida is Floridaing real hard right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you're a bit younger than me, mate. You don't, maybe don't remember Section 28? I mean, not by name, but I lived, I lived through enough of it to... Uh, be aware I was aware of it lifting yeah and I was aware of like the uh the unspoken like I was aware that you know LGBT stuff wasn't to be talked about and specifically teacher I was aware teachers couldn't talk about it yeah that was a thing that I knew and I didn't understand why yeah so we got rid of that yeah it lifted it, it, yeah. as you say and then... there's a thing in the UK you couldn't you, you couldn't talk about gay people to kids kids couldn't be told gay people existed yeah, America a country that has only recently got rid of don't ask don't tell yeah. is now uh, in, in Florida introducing the parental rights in education bill also known as the don't say gay bill I mean Look, first, first I heard of this. My my gut instinct was, have you not heard of Section Twenty Eight and how much it fucked up a generation? And if you haven't, go look it up. If you have, get out there and start getting fucking protesting because this is like really fucking dangerous shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Florida uh, Representative Joe Harding, Republican, of surprising. Of course. Uh, yeah, apparently he turned around and said that. Um, well, but basically the the plan is it would block teachers in Florida from talking about LGBTQ plus topics that are not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. Oh, uh, his his big fun uh, secret for for people. Uh, those terms like age appropriate, one hundred percent will be used to be like. It, it sounds like it will still get talked about. No, it mean they will. They will go anything that is gay is uh, not appropriate for under 18s. Yep. Because like you know historically this is where like um the overlaps with the kink community have come from and like yeah. why you get stuff like kink or pride is specifically because like in a world where just being gay is considered an eighteen plus uh thing to discuss. You get a lot of support from the kink community being like, no, fuck, fuck it. If you're going to be treated as sexual just for existing, lean into that. Like, you know, it's... Also, kink doesn't have to be about sex. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, that's why you've got the kink community support. Yeah. But like, you know, we go through this all the time. Like, if you start going, yeah, only, only the modest gays, only the, uh, the invisible trans people, you know, all that respectability politics yeah, becomes yeah. like... No, you, you you end up not being able to talk about LGBT stuff to anyone under 18. And it, it will only take one case brought against a teacher who was trying to put it in, you know, perhaps yeah. child-friendly words or child-friendly terms, and and be a case being brought against them, and it, everyone will be afraid to do anything. Yeah. No, yeah. Matter, no matter how much they might try and put pussyfoot around and, and say certain things, you know, oh, we're not, we're not banning. Yeah. 
that's the thing. You may not be out and outright banning him, but without, uh, you know, in a, in a lack of clarity sense, if someone's afraid they might get sued for mentioning gay people around kids, they're just not going to mention it because that's the safe thing to do. And suddenly you've got another generation of LGBT people who like, you know, the ones in the UK grow up completely isolated from any sense of identity. Yeah, not not having the language to understand themselves, ending up feeling very isolated or self-loathing in some cases. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, ending up, you know, I think the, they talk about the fact that children who have uh, the language to discuss it and have had the education to, yeah. uh, to discuss uh, themselves as people, like there is a reduction of uh, 19% in, uh, in suicide rate. Yeah, like very specifically, like if you look at the uh, the boom in people coming out as like uh, as as non straight or non cis in the UK, in the generation that grew up just after Section Twenty Eight, yeah, you've got a much happier, more open, more communicative uh, queer community yeah. coming coming up through their teens now because they were allowed to acknowledge their existence and there was words around it and they have the language they weren't stomped down and also I think a lot of them as a result of uh, improved attitudes, didn't grow up with just, like, every single bit of television telling them that they were wrong and bad and... Yeah, like, seriously, we, we are moving into a, like, a decent age of kids growing up with representation and the ability to have conversations about themselves and yeah. be a bloody travesty to see that shut down. Yeah, and, you know... Florida is often like just a, a test bed for a lot of these things because they do have a lot of uh, ultra-religious groups down yeah. there. So, you know, I dread that this sort of thing spreads because it very often does spread from places like Florida. So, you know, I'm... Look, I, if if nothing else, I really hope that, uh, you know, the uh, UK LGBT community stands up and sort of talks about this because, you know, we've... We've seen over here what this did, and you know, yeah, yeah, we should definitely be vocal about it. But I, I mean, I'll say this: the the one thing I think the states has got going for it right now that the UK didn't have when Section Twenty Eight came in is a generation removed from the AIDS crisis. Yeah, because the problem you had a lot with Section Twenty Eight was there were not a lot of older LGBT people who were alive to do that fight yeah. because it came right after a wave of a lot of people being wiped out there was out a lot of people killed and there was also a lot of um, there was still a lot of tying being gay to you will die yeah which is like you know I think if something like this tries to pass in the US and you know it seems like it's going somewhere there is a generation thankfully of aware active proud and out people who have the energy to fight and yeah. I'm glad that they got that at least. Yeah, and massive solidarity to the people living in that state. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there will be a whole flood of people being like, well, you know, just just move. People can't afford to. It's yeah. especially not given the fucking state of the economy over there and yeah. you know, wages and, and so forth, you know. So, you know, I wish you all the best luck in this and I hope that this can get overturned because as someone who lived through it in this country, it's a bad time. Yeah. It's just the worst fucking time. Indeed. Oh, hug, mate. Oh, definitely.
Good on, mate. Good on. Yeah. Oh, I need to lie down. Oh, same, same. Early night for me. Yeah, yeah. So, Laura. <gasps> me? We wrote a book and you've got another book. Yes, we wrote... Well, let's, <laughs> let's focus on the first one. We finally got Who Hunts the Whale funded. We did? You can still pre-order it. You can get all the backer rewards, signed copies, all that stuff still. Sure, if you go like to... Like 104% funded yeah. now. Um, we have a tentative release date sort of uh, penciled in. So we know we know sort of how long it's going to be before that book's out. Oh. Um, so thank you everyone who has supported that book, and Massive we're very excited for that to happen. To, for people to see that, yeah, you can still still go get a copy. You yeah. got you got some time, but uh, yeah, shall I talk about the other book? Yes, tell us about the other book that I'm looking at the cover for. Oh right yeah, now. Me and My Dysphoria Monster, uh, by Laura Kate Dell, uh, illustrated by Ang Hoi Chin. Um, I started working on this book a year ago, basically. Yeah, around. It was yeah. This was like start of twenty twenty one. I was pitching it, um, and had most of it written early last year. Um, it is an illustrated children's book about trying to talk about dysphoria, um, in child friendly, understandable terms, yeah. uh, with illustrations to help that. Uh, it's got a little thing at the back that uh, is an adult section that'll have more sort of in-depth explanations of terms and what things mean. But yeah, basically trying to provide something that like, hey, have you got a young trans kid in your life that is struggling for vocabulary around their identity and doesn't know how to explain their situation to other people? Or are you a person who's come out as trans as an adult and there are youngsters in your life who have questions and you want to sort of have an explainable you know, this is what I'm going through. Oh. Yeah, it is a illustrated children's book about dysphoria and what that's like to experience and, you know, what it's like going through that. It's it's a hopeful book, but it, you know, doesn't shy away from the fact that it, you know, it could be a rough thing. And yeah, um the art absolutely fucking elevates this. Mm-hmm. The art is so good. It's so well done. And uh as I said on Twitter, like the fact that you didn't ask for any um, like revisions on anything. I, I just love that the fact that they read it and got it. Oh, 100%. Um, I looked through like well over a thousand artists' stuff and instantly their art was really caught my attention because they're very good at expressive uh, characters really good, varied, vibrant uh, character designs. Also their palette um, choices for, like, because I saw your narrowed down list yes. of, like, 50 artists. Yeah, yeah. And, like, this was definitely one of the ones that I was like, oh my god, that that one's perfect. Just, like, their their colour choices, um, their palettes are great, and just the, the style, but, like, stylistic way they draw yeah. their characters. Very good perfect. at communicating emotion through uh, expressions on characters. Yes. Um, yeah, like, be, besides the initial, like, working out what the monster was going to look like and the, the main character was going to look like and a little back and forth there, they just did the book. And all of their initial sketches for the page layouts were perfect, mm-hmm. and their coloured art that came through was perfect. I was just like, yeah, no, this is this is amazing. You have brought this to life incredibly, and I'm mm-hmm. so proud of this book. That's and so I, good. Yeah, it's coming out on August 18th, 2022, so that's like six months away. It's like you know, six and a half months away? Heck. Yeah, I'm excited I can finally acknowledge it's a thing <laughs> that exists. Um, And... God, I'm so I can't wait for this book to come out. Like more up there with any like 
I'm so excited about this book in particular. I think it could be something really special. It is really special. Everyone I've shown it to so far has been very, very complimentary of it. I've, I've I, had... I mean, I will echo the thing that a lot of other people have said to you about this. Is, it is the kind of book that I really would have appreciated when I was coming out the first time. Yeah. And it... possibly the second time as well. Yeah. I've, I've shown it to a few trans people in my life and gone like, hey, what do you think of this? And their response was... It made me cry, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and I'm like, ah, heck, I did okay, I didn't fuck up. I did great. So, I'm very proud of it, and I really hope people check it out. Uh, That's me and my dysphoria monster. Uh, It's coming out on August 18th. I'm sure there will be more I will be able to share as that approaches. Yeah. Go see the cover art, which I'll hopefully have updated on the book places now. Oh, heck. Yeah. Uh, should I mention the other things? Yeah, I do. I'll do that. Yeah, um, Laura K. Buzz on all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Do a bunch of stuff on TikTok. Um, if you are looking for more Pokemon Legends Arceus content from me that isn't just me excitedly rambling and is a bit more focused, uh, I've got an episode of Access Ability going up, uh, this week. It, uh, might go up a little early depending on how things go, but it'll be up this week. Um... I also have some guides content and uh, a review of the game uh, that'll be up on USA Today. So look at me doing doing fancy outlets, doing stuff, because, you know, I had I had played the game. <laughs> You're getting recognised. That's yeah. awesome. Look at me being able to info dump about Pokemon for work. Heck yeah. So go check out my Twitter. I'll have probably linked to it. That, that's that's the main things. What about you? What do you do? Me, I'm on Twitch and Twitter and YouTube, and I've um, got a Facebook group, got a Discord group. Um, gosh, where else? I uh, got a Redbubble where you can get some of my t-shirt designs. I make music under the name Bedroom Programmer. All of my stuff can be found at streamerlinkscom slash Janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Because I couldn't get unified branding like Laura, so <laughs> I, I had to find just a, a link page. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm I'm amazed I've not reached the point where people are trying to cockbuck me on branding and just like trying to snap my brand yet. So far, everything, I'm just Laura K. Buzz, it's great. It, you, you pick a good one, because it's the yeah. right length that it works fucking everywhere. It works fucking everywhere, and it has no meaning for anyone other than myself and one weird website I wrote for like a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other place you can find me is uh, patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify a seventy-six hour work week, and um, and justify all of all of the other stuff I do. So, uh, thank you very much, <gasps> everyone, and uh, Laura, <gasps> will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger. When I was writing that, all I had in in mind was just Master Chief with a pair of tits sticking through the armor. <laughs> Not even boob armor, just like eh, there's just visible tits sticking through, with just like a single strip of metal covering the neck. <laughs> I think mean, I didn't even have that picture. I was just like full tit out. <laughs> Master tits, this Master tits, just like now. Nah, Master tits. <laughs> Is that what it is now? John 117, you're now known as Master Tits. Congratulations on your transition.
make you half a new gallon. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like some of that's going to get in somewhere now. <laughs>